Hi there! Welcome to the 22nd episode of Stories That Made Us, where we recount the creation myths of the world. In this episode, we cover the tales from India. India is a vast country where humans arrived from Africa no later than 55,000 years ago. This long time span of human occupation has given the nation its many distinct religions and tribes. The country boasts to be the spiritual home of many of the world's most prominent religions, Hinduism, Sikhism, and Buddhism, to name some. This week, however, we tell the tales of some of the lesser-known beliefs of the indigenous tribes of the country. The first is the creation myth of the Birhor of central and eastern India. It is followed by the story of the Santals, the largest of the ethnic Munda tribes that are native to eastern India and Bangladesh, with a sizable population in Nepal and Bhutan as well. We then speak of the Garo people, who are an indigenous Tibetan-Burman ethnic group found in the northeastern states of the country. The last tale is of the Gond or Gondi, one of the largest tribal groups of India, spreading over many states or provinces. These are their stories, the tales of some of the indigenous and native tribes of the ancient land of India. The first story is of the Birhor. The Birhor are a people of central India who do not subscribe to classical Hinduism. They do, however, make use of Hindu deities in their myths. Their story consists of a creator god, Singbonga, and the tale reminds us of similar stories that are prevalent among the Central Asians and Native Americans. The god Singbonga is also worshipped in the religion of the Dravidian Munda people of the states of Orissa, Bihar, and Jharkhand in eastern India. The people of these tribes worship aspects of nature, whose highest form is Singbonga. The Lotus so important in Hindu religion and mythology indicates the Bihar use of Hindu symbols. Much like classical Hinduism, where the flower symbolizes divine perfection and is the seat of many gods and goddesses, the Birhor tale also puts the flower at the center of creation. It is upon this flower that Singbonga sat and created the world. So then, Let's tell the Birhor tale of our origin. The world, in the beginning, was a vast expanse of nothing but water. From this primordial water emerged Singbonga, the first god, the creator god. Singbonga arose out of the water through the stem of a lotus. He emerged fully formed. The deity then sat on the lotus and pondered about creation. The first order of business, surely, is to create land, he thought. Now while the deity thought of ways to create land, he inadvertently created the first of animals. The first to be born was Horror, the tortoise. 
when the animal came to sing bonga the god said say dive down deep under water and see if you can find land come back to me as soon as you've found a lump of earth for with it i will create the world the obedient tortoise did as instructed but alas could not find land he surfaced disheartened and dejected now as the tortoise was explaining to singbonga the reasons for its failure they spied a crab karakom and an earthworm lendard the two swam toward the deity as well and listened patiently to the tortoise afterward the crab karakom spoke dear deity perhaps i should dive down and search for land Perhaps I shall succeed where Horo the tortoise failed. And so, with the blessing of Singbonga, Karakum the crab dove under the water. All waited patiently for Karakum to resurface. They waited a long time. Eventually, the crab surfaced but was without land. The water is too deep. Karakum explained, "I could barely reach the bottom." It thus fell upon Lendard the earthworm to find land. Just as the others before, Lendard sought Singbonga's blessing and dove down. Much like the other two before it, the little earthworm did not succeed. But unlike the tortoise and the crab. Lendard the earthworm did not give up. It continued to dive again and again until it found earth. Eventually, the earthworm's perseverance paid off. Finally, it succeeded in reaching the bottom of the endless water. It swallowed some of the mud and then swam up to the surface. When above the water, the victorious earthworm swam toward Singbonga. and spitted the earth on his outstretched palm with this lump of earth singbonga then created ote desum the beautiful land that we call our home he parted the water and set the land upon it once the land was fastened upon the water singbonga then made the first of the trees plants herbs and all the other flora that grow and blossom upon the earth he then made many water animals followed by the land dwelling animals everything that singbonga made blossomed and prospered and all were beautiful in their own right however creation was yet incomplete singbonga then took some clay and with it fashioned the first man and woman when happy with his work the deity breathed into them and gave them life the world was ripe for the first of our ancestors to find food make shelter and knit clothes finally the deity gave mankind the urge to have sex this was done to populate the world That ends the story of the Birhor. The next is the Santal tale of our origin.
The word Santal refers to the inhabitants of Sound in Bengal, India. This has been the traditional homeland of the tribe. According to the linguist Paul Sidwell, the Santals emerged when Austro-Asiatic-speaking peoples landed in India's eastern shores around 4,000 years ago and interacted extensively with the local Indian population. They soon settled down and became proficient farmers, growing mainly rice. Their creation story bears many resemblances to the Behor tale we discussed earlier. Much like the creation story of the Behor, the world was only water in the beginning. There was only this endless water and the one primordial god, Thakur Jiu. The deity was lonely and desired to create life. He began by first making the water-dwelling creatures. Soon enough, the seas were full of fish and crustaceans like the shrimps and crabs. He then made the crocodile and the tortoise. One by one, he made all the water-dwelling animals that we see today. Then, much like the previous tale, Takurjiu instructed the water mammals to find the earth from under the surface of the water. The animals, one by one, tried to find earth. In the end, it was the earthworm that swallowed some earth from the depth of the water and regurgitated it in the hands of the primordial god. The world was created from this mud. Now Takurjiu was ready to make the first of us and did indeed create two humans. He was just about to breathe life into the man and the woman. Sin Sadom, the horse, however, had other ideas and trampled the clay figures of the first man and woman to pieces before Takurjiu could breathe life into them. That tragically ended the first attempt to create mankind. The deity then willed two birds, the goose, Hansil, and the gander, Hans. They were the first of the birds and spread love and vibrancy as they flew over the earth. Eventually, the goose Hansil laid an egg, and from that egg emerged the first man and woman. Now as the first of our ancestors grew, it became hard for the two birds to feed them. They asked Takurjiu for help. The deity then made the land-dwelling animals, and then the whole universe. He made it all for the well-being and benefit of mankind. This is why we should always be grateful to Takurjiu and respect and celebrate his creations for all was made to facilitate the prosperity and betterment of us. The next story is of the Garo people. They are long-time inhabitants of the Garo Hills in Meghalaya, a northeastern state of India and parts of Bangladesh. The Garo or Achek people are traditionally animists who believe that all animate 
and inanimate objects in the world possess a distinct spiritual essence. Over time, they have gradually converted to Christianity. Even as Christians, they practice animus ceremonies and offer prayers to animal spirits. The Garo are matrilineal, and therefore, not surprisingly, a central figure in a pre-Christian Garo creation myth is female. Their story also concerns with the original presence of a creator and primordial waters, and the sending of animals to the depths to find the essential material of creation. The life-giving waters, the female director of creation, and the arrival of a female spirit who acts as a cultural hero to prepare the earth for humans, all point to a matrilineal culture. This is their story. Water and darkness made up the cosmos. This was when nothing existed. Nothing but the Supreme Being, the Grandmother or the Mother, Tatara Rabuga, also known as Dakipa Rugiba. She, with an intent to create a world and a life, gave birth to a lesser spirit, a goddess named Nostunapantu. This spirit was then tasked to create the world and bring life into the universe. Now back then, there was nothing but water in the world. The spirit thus had no place to land. There was no place for her to set her foot. Nostunapantu thus had to rest herself upon a spider's web, which stretched over the water. She used the spider web as a hammock to hold herself as she began creation. Her first task was to create land. To do this, she was given a handful of dirt by Tatara Rabuga, the mother goddess. This was the dirt from the deity's body. Unfortunately, the dirt was loose and would not stick to form land. The spirit Nostu Napantu thus had to think of a way to fashion the world. After much thought, she commanded Ang Kerong, a crab, to go underneath the water in search of sticky clay. Unfortunately, the crab returned without the clay. The water was too deep for it to swim to the very depth. Nostu Napantu then sent another smaller crab. But this little creature was frightened by the depth of the water. Afraid that it may never return, the poor creature turned back after venturing just halfway through. Ultimately, it fell upon the beetle to dive down under the sea and find mud. With much effort and dogged pursuit, it returned with a lump of clay. Finally, the spirit goddess Nostu Napantu had clay to hold up the dirt. She had all she needed to make the earth. It is by mixing clay with the loose dirt that Nostu Napantu created Mane Pilte, the Mother Earth. Now this was when Mother Earth had just been born. She was still wet and soft. Nostu Napantu tried to put her feet upon the earth, but it could not bear her weight. 
She then asked the beetle and the crab to try to climb upon the earth, but they too could not find perches upon the marshy, mushy land. At her wit's end, the spirit then prayed to Tatara Rabuga for guidance. She asked the mother goddess to help her make the earth firmer and more concrete. After much time spent praying, Tatara Rabuga responded to Nostu Napantu's prayers. She heard the spirit's words and decided to help her fulfill the task she bestowed upon her. Moved by the spirit's words, she created the sun and the wind to dry the land. She also made the moon to create tides, helping waters retract so that the sun and the winds could dry the land. It took a long time, but slowly and surely, the earth dried and became firmer. After hundreds of years, it finally hardened and the land was ready for animals and mankind to appear. But before they could be created and could roam the surface of the earth, another matter had to be taken care of. Nostu Napantu sought an attendance with Tatara Rabuga. When she was granted the attendance, she said to the mother goddess, I have made land upon the vast expanse of water. Your wishes and instructions have been fulfilled. I do, however, have a grievance. Mother Goddess prodded her to disclose what irked the spirit who fashioned the earth. Mane Pilte, the Mother Earth, is naked. Her breasts remain uncovered. This is not right, and something must be done about this. It is not the right way. Mother Goddess heard the spirit's words and found wisdom in her suggestions. Therefore, Tatara Rabuga took it upon herself to cover Mother Earth. First, the deity decided to grow hair on Mother Earth's head. She willed the banyan tree, the sol tree, the sago palm, and other kinds of trees to grow upon her head. Once the trees had grown to the satisfaction of the goddess, she then proceeded to cover the rest of Mother Earth. She made crosses and many kinds of canes to cover her body. Finally, Tatara Rabuga made the clouds. These clouds cover the head of Mother Earth like a turban. They provide for the trees and grasses by bringing in the rain. Finally, it was now time for the animals to emerge. Tatara Rabuga first created the water-dwelling animals. She first made the frog. The frog was tasked to croak as a proclamation of the advent of rain to all the other creatures. The goddess then turned her attention to the land-dwelling creatures. Of all the animals of the land created by the deity, Hulok, the ape, and Jungle, the fowl, were created first. Now these two animals were tasked to utter loud cries. They did so to prevent Mother Earth from falling asleep, thus preventing her from neglecting her duties of being productive and fertile for all animals 
and plants to live and prosper. Now after the animals of the land had been created, the deity found that they suffered for the lack of water. Even though there was water underneath the earth, there were no rivers or lakes. Moreover, the water surrounding the earth was the salt water of the sea. The animals thus suffered from a lack of fresh water. When Tatara Rabuga saw this, she tasked another lesser female spirit, Hochire Kimrebokre, to bring water to the surface of the land. The spirit travelled the land and then decided to make springs break out from under the surface of the earth. It is these springs that brought water from the underground to the land. This water formed the streams and the rivers and brought succor to the plants and animals. Afterward, the mother goddess let the clouds bring in the rain. She made the thunder as an announcement of the possibility of rain. Finally, the world was ready for mankind. Tatara Rabuga was happy with all the creation and felt it was time to put human beings upon Mother Earth. So she called all the lesser spirits and declared her intention of creating human beings and placing them on the earth. The goddess then created the first man and woman in her dwelling place, which were seven layers under the surface of the earth. This is where the spirits of all men and women are born even today. It is here that they are given Chitri Chijangi, the water of life. All who are born are given this water of life before they are sent to the surface of the earth. The length of one's life depends on how much of this water one has drunk before he or she is born. The final story is of the Gond or the Gondi people. They are one of the largest of the aboriginal non-Hindu tribal groups of central India. They speak a Dravidian language that associates them with the peoples who lived in India before the arrival of the Aryan invaders in the second millennium BC. This makes them one of the oldest indigenous people of the country. The Gonds share their creation myths with many other tribal groups in the area. There is also a significant Hindu influence on the myths, which are sung by bards at ceremonies such as the popular Dandari festivals celebrating the marriage of the creator's daughter, Yetwa, to the Gond cultural hero, the Rajgond. The ultimate creator god in Gond mythology is Baradev, or Supreme God. The creation myth in which he figures is one in which animals perform the necessary rites of pre-creation, much like that of the Garo, Santals, and Birhor. Baradev was sitting on a lotus leaf when he thought of creating the world. He wondered how to best go about it, and after giving it much thought, 
he realized that he needed clay to create the world. He looked down from his lotus leaf to check upon land, but all he saw was water. He first thought of creating land upon which all life shall prosper. Baradev rubbed his chest and removed some of the dirt. With this, he fashioned a crow. The deity then tossed the bird to search for mud, mud that was to be shaped as land. The crow flew to the ends of the world in search for clay. It looked everywhere but could spy nothing but water. Tired and exhausted, the poor bird settled on a stump that protruded above the endless expanse of the sea. The crow had barely perched on the stump when a voice boomed from under it. Who dares sit on my claw? This voice belonged to Kekramal, the crab. The crab rose out of the water and looked at the crow quizzically, for it had never seen a bird. Curious, it asked the crow of its origins and its intentions. Upon much prodding by the crab, the crow narrated its tale and said dejectedly, I have looked all around, but have not found a morsel of clay. Say, you have lived a long life, dear crab. I wonder if you could help me find some clay. The crab, upon hearing the story, then said to the crow, The clay has gone to the underworld where it is being eaten by the earthworm. The poor bird panicked, for it could not dive into the water to reach the underworld. It besieged the crab to convince the earthworm to come out of the depths of the sea. The crab agreed and dove under. When the crustacean reached the underworld, it first politely asked the earthworm to accompany it to the surface but the earthworm declined. The crab, however, refused to take no for an answer. It dragged the earthworm out, and along with the earthworm came mud, for the worm was reluctant to let go of its food. When they reached the surface of the water, the crab caught the earthworm by its neck and squeezed it tightly. The poor earthworm had no recourse but to spit out the mud. This regurgitated clay, the crow grabbed and flew back with it to Baradev. Baradev now had the material required to create land. He then pondered upon how to fasten the land atop the vast water. After much thought, he asked Makradev, the spider god, to spin a web across the endless water. When the spider god had spun his web, Baradev spread the clay on it, thus giving birth to Mother Earth. Afterward, he released all the animals, birds and other living beings on the newly created Earth. At last, he made the first man and woman. Now the first of our ancestors lived happily for a while. Soon, the two had many children. By and by, as mankind's population multiplied, 
They found food to be scarce. Afraid of going hungry, the first of our ancestors prayed to Baradev. They asked the deity, What do we do to feed our children? The god thought about it and then plucked three hairs from his head and threw them on the earth. These three strands of hair grew into the mango, teak, and kasi trees. Baradev then gave an axe to the man and asked him to make something from the wood of the three trees. The happy man took the axe and began chopping the wood. The moment the man began to chop the first tree, Katpurva, the woodpecker, flew towards him and began to imitate his action. This distracted the man and he ended up destroying the trees. All that was left of the trees were crooked pieces of wood. In frustration, he threw the axe at the woodpecker. The bird, of course, flew away unharmed and the axe was lost somewhere in the world. The despondent man went back to Baradev for help. After listening to his story, the god gave him some ash from his fire and asked the man to bury it in the roots of the chopped trees. Baradev also told the man there has to be an explanation for all the wood getting chopped in this crooked manner. All things must have a purpose, and you are yet to find the purpose of this crooked wood, the deity said. The man returned with the ash and placed it on the roots. Immediately, plants and trees sprouted, and the earth was filled with forests. The man, now no longer having the need of the crooked wood that he had chopped earlier, threw it away as he proceeded to explore the forest. Now much to his surprise, the bamboo maiden emerged from the place where the crooked piece of wood had fallen. The goddess of grains, who was hiding inside the bamboo maiden, then emerged and spread herself all over the earth. The crooked piece of wood turned out to be the first plough, and from then on, man learned to cultivate crops. In order to prevent the goddess of grain from disappearing, the Gond woman built Lilar Koti or a granary and filled it with grain to feed the whole world. That is the end of this episode on the tribes of India. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a feedback. We are quite active on Twitter and Instagram, so why not connect with us by using the handle at StoriesTHTMDEUS for both Twitter and Instagram. You may also email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com. I'll see you again next week. Until then, goodbye.